Luis is a master of language. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's immediately contrasted to uh, her future husband, mm-hmm. who's played by, um, what's his name? I can't remember. The guy who plays Hawkeye. I was going to say, it, it, Hawk, we'll just yeah. call him Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah. She's married <laughs> we'll to Hawkeye. Call, <laughs> she's married to Hawkeye. <laughs> saw recently uh, Matt Walsh's What is a Woman? Um, and I, I thought it was really interesting as a kind of a cultural moment of uh, just seeing how the culture is really trying to uh, wrestle with gender um, and how that fits in society. Uh, but more like broadly speaking, how, how gender roles are played out and then even like archetypally or symbolically, like what is, what is masculinity and what is femininity? Um, I feel like that's been a cultural question for a while. Um, and I like all the way back in 20, I guess the beginning of 2021, I kind of started intuiting that this was a pattern. Um, and, you know, between COVID and uh, all the lockdowns, there was this kind of question of like, what, how do we, how do we protect? How do we allow for risk? This kind of mothering um, and a, a broadly a question of gender roles. And then um, I started picking up on that and noticing these questions of like, you know, people are wondering what femininity is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kanye West releases an album <laughs> in the, towards the, I guess it was August, so almost a year now, called Donda, named after his mother. Uh, I just found that really interesting as a, like a cultural phenomenon that like there's these questions of, what is motherhood? What is femininity? Um, I was like, I feel like this is the question. And then uh, Matt Walsh drops this trailer like soon after of mm-hmm. a documentary he's releasing called What is a Woman? And I yeah. almost like laughed out loud. I was like, that's so crazy that that's happening. Yeah. Because this is the pattern. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what if you guys want to like comment on what you're thinking about this kind of moment as we're discussing femininity and like how that fits into the culture at large. Yeah, I thought uh, the title, What is a Woman, is just so aptly named because he's dealing more with the transgender issue. And the question obviously is pertinent to that, obviously. But like even more at large is like, what is a woman? It sounds like it's a very symbolic name, right? And so I don't know if he was aware of uh, that or not when he was naming the documentary. But it is speaking, like you said, to a bigger cultural um, question. So... Yeah, and I've noticed it in different movies that we've been watching, uh, this question of femininity. femininity. Uh, I, I think it's, and even, even you know, going back 5, 10, 15 years ago, uh, I, I think this question was still boiling, as it were, mm-hmm. on, like, you know, on, the, on the back burner, uh, where I think our culture is so inundated with masculine virtues. Uh, or, or rather, that's where we find our value mm-hmm. is in masculine virtues. That the feminine is has been forgotten for so long. But you know, you can't suppress something that's natural for so long before it starts to just pop back up um, in in random places. So yeah, that's yeah. No, so I've been noticing the same thing. So yeah, yeah. It seems like um, with with every with every advance that um, the the feminist movement um, took and it got got forward and all those things were good, but there still is, as you approach of of womanhood and femininity, getting closer to the same thing as masculine and male, you start to, you kind of start to lose, well, what, what were we like? What, you know? um, And of course, like, like I said, the, the the steps forward were good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, the traditional understanding of my relation, you know, feminine relationship to masculine as that started, we started forgetting that and we, and it started becoming a little too masculine. The question, as you said, uh, father Jonathan, it went kind of down into, yeah, into the right, darkness. Right. And then, you know, um, I think you start seeing maybe trying and uh, trying to level it out with the criticism of the patriarchal structure. Mm-hmm. And, but it's interesting that there's, uh, maybe you you two have heard differently, but there's a criticism of the patriarchal structure, but not a promotion of the matriarchal 
Yeah. structure. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Yeah. You know, yeah. so like you said, sort of like, well, what are you going to yeah. replace it with? That's like that's just postmodernism right. in general. Just yeah. take it all down. <laughs> right. It's not worth keeping. Right. Yeah. But and what I'm, are you going to build back? Like, you're right. Right. And I'm not saying like they should promote it or shouldn't promote it, but it's it's interesting that it's not. Well, yeah. You know, we we need to replace the patriarchy with the matriarchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You know, it's just kind of like we'll yeah. get rid of. There is a difference but. between um, equality and sameness. Mm-hmm. You know, right. and that that's a really important distinction that Carl Stern was making that point in the book we're reading, Flight from Women. That like that push to make the female masculine is a misguided effort to to like allow equality to exist. Yeah. Right. Um, and then you lose the feminine qualities. Yeah. Right. Um, like intuition and you know even like being a housewife is like the the quality that that adds to the culture is like so disregarded. Yeah. And we think that it's what you do outside of the home that matters. And then you just lose the value of right, what's right, inside the home. Right. And that's what Carl Stern mentioned that, uh, you know, he was, he quoted uh, Simone de Beauvoir a lot uh, as kind of uh, one of the um, feminists that spearheaded the movement. And uh, I, he has this great line that says like, you know, nothing is as androcentric and misogynist as de, de Beauvoir's, own words yeah right. <laughs> right and that's the that's the idea yeah. behind this feminist movement is that it, it in an effort to um, equalize the playing field they do damage to what it means to be a woman mm-hmm. or to yeah. femininity itself yeah I, I think that's what i was trying to say kind of unconsciously like e- yeah. equality is a good thing mm-hmm. yeah but that's not the same as, as sameness between yeah, men yeah. And men. Yeah, you know yeah, exactly. like like the movements towards having equal rights is of course yeah you know a good thing right but you said i think in that though if you're not paying attention um, what you traditionally relied on for the feminine begins to crumble without you yeah. realizing. And then you're stuck in a situation where you say, what is a woman? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, it, and it's what, again, it goes back to what we value um, in a society. And so if you're valuing um, the material, um, you know, progress, uh, you know, um, yeah, the, the initiation of exploration, um, doing things, mm-hmm. uh, then of course, like whatever, whoever cannot do that, um, is going to be less valued. But mm-hmm. that's just a, yeah, it's that's a, it's a, um, I guess a, a made up value system. Yeah, and I think that that's yeah, that's what we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like saying like like well, is it better to play baseball or basketball? It's like well, right. the, both of them are valuable <laughs> in their own way. Yeah, they're different, right? Um, mm-hmm. but that's not to say one is better yeah. than the other, and who's judging that? Right. You know, so. Yeah, I think um, I think that the question of gender and um, masculine and feminine kind of just gets like really politicized fast, and people think mm-hmm. it's about like <clears throat> people's identity or sexual orientations. Like, and there's a there's a, a field for that and a conversation to be had. That's great, but I feel like it, there's an undertone uh, culturally that's really happening. That's more archetypal and more symbolic mm-hmm. of, um, what does it mean to be feminine? What does it mean to be masculine? Yeah. And so I don't know which one of you made the point of like, as we progress in culture, we have all these masculine endeavors and we're leaving the feminine behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the problem with that is that the feminine is kind of inherently hidden. Yeah. It's like, that's like it's quality. A masculinity shows itself. Yeah, and it reaches out, whereas femininity receives, and it it's more of a intuitive, subdued, subtle thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So inherently, it's going to be harder to kind of Put your figure finger out. And yeah, say, yeah. yeah. But yeah. the problem, the thing is, here's where it's like I feel like the cultural importance, like the the um, intensity of this problem is, is because when you ask what the feminine is you essentially start the apocalypse. (laughs) You know, like, that's not to be alarmist, but, like, in the sense that apocalypse means unveiling. Unveiling the mystery, right? Yeah, exactly. So now we're we're actually looking straight at what a woman is, and that has ramifications that turns the culture. So we're at at a crossroads now in the culture, and I don't know, like, I feel like everybody can feel this. Like, since COVID, everything just, like, blew up and accelerating, and everything's turning. Yeah. And, And we're looking directly at, femininity and that has apocalyptic ramifications per se you know like i'm not saying that this is the end of the world but i'm saying this is the end of an era an era yeah Yeah, exactly um right for sure yeah yeah well i mean it's um it's it's uh, it's apocalyptic not only kind of in the sense of availing but also there's that uh you know perhaps the fear and trembling aspect of it because yeah you know it can go many ways. It could go one way of the femininity doesn't exist, mm-hmm. and that's going to have huge ramifications. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you're going to go back to 
femininity exists not only on a biological level, but also on a symbolic level. Yeah. yeah. And that, like th- yeah. those are two vastly mm-hmm. different roads to yeah. go down. Yeah. That yeah. you know, femininity, femininity is needed uh, symbolically and socially, <laughs> and yep. all these other yep. things, or yeah, completely yep. those things. And this is um, like, this is a fundamental question to the human condition. I think it's the bedrock <laughs> um, question. Mm-hmm. This is not like, well, what does it mean for a man to have courage? Like that's important. Yeah. But mm-hmm. when you're talking about you know the feminine archetype and the masculine archetype, yeah, this is like. There's nothing lower yeah, than this that. Yeah, it's the fundamental I mean, pattern. You know, yes. in Genesis, the beginning mm-hmm. of our Western, you know, uh, our Western canon, mm-hmm. Genesis, man and woman, he created them. Like that's that's the fundamental distinction within human beings. Right. Yeah. And so this is yeah, this is not just a side question, like like you were yeah. alluding to. Yeah. Man. Like this even is, if, even sometimes the points made that's like this is really fundamental because the family is the the core of the culture and it begins with the yeah. family and such. Like I 100% agree with that, but what the family represents is even a bigger reality. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like the reason why you need a mother and a father is because when a child is born, their experience of the cosmos is what you present to them as a parent. And so yeah. I'm going to represent all the things in the world that are masculine. And my wife is going to present everything that is feminine yeah. to my child. Right. And then they, the, the way they see us interact is how they're going to form their view of the cosmos. Yeah. And so that's mm-hmm. really why parenting is important, not because it's like, oh, it's this extra, it's yeah. this really you important You raise thing. kids that become yeah. plumbers, and that's great. Yeah, that's yeah. great, too. Yeah. But um, you're right, that's more yeah, yeah. fundamental. Yeah. So. Yeah, it has a cosmological effect as opposed to yeah. just being this kind of practical sociological point. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the, f- like, primordial symbols and archetypes. So you're going to, you know, the, the Heavenly Father masculine mm-hmm. principle and then you know you know mother moon yep. feminine principle yep. and it goes all the way down i mean it goes down to um uh you know sockets and wrenches and stuff like yeah that. yeah you know, oh, yeah. Like, sure. you know yeah. like your outlets you know mm-hmm. masculine feminine yeah. you know yeah. so you're right like it's yeah. it's the like the pattern of mm-hmm. everything and we kind of lost that you know speaking of language um you know we we lost that in our english language mm-hmm. um because our words don't have gender um, but yeah, you go to the right. romantic languages, like, right. you know, um, Latin especially, but yeah. like even like, you know, French and Spanish, mm-hmm. uh, there's all the words have genders, all the nouns, right? Yeah. And so everything's divided by masculine and feminine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think it's easier to see that working symbolically in romantic languages yeah. um, versus our, you know, mo- modern English. Um, yeah. So. And <laughs> that can get, this is a topic for another time, that can get even more crazy because uh, I guess one of the, like, the, you know, as, as evolutionary science moved on, um, the, the big push was humans aren't too different than the natural world. You know, they're, mm. they're not. But the one thing that appear, that appears to be the main difference in our brains is symbolic thinking. Mm. And yeah. symbolic thinking is tied to symbolic languages. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, wow. you know, you're talking about gendered language. It's like, well, you, that's right there. It's split masculine and feminine. Yep. And then, but those are symbols. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. of, of something else. Yeah. yeah. Even that. So it's. Yeah, that's yeah, crazy. We can yeah, I showed that. you guys. We can go down that rabbit hole. I showed you guys time, that meme like, of the uh, <clears throat> the word non-binary being translated into Spanish. Yeah. And how yeah. it's like masculine and feminine. Yeah. Like yeah. Non-binaria and non-binary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really funny. I was like, this, like it's unavoidable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah exactly. Right. Yeah. The um, so I I think, kind of like tying this into where I want to go next with this. Um, it seems that like the light of Christianity is fading in the West, per se. You know, like church attendance is at its lowest. Mm-hmm. Um, belief in God is at its lowest. Um, and so, as that light moves, darkness comes. But then, what appears are stars in the sky, and we kind of recognize patterns in the world that are still glimmers of that original light. Mm, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And so when something pops up in the culture and it speaks to something like the masculine and the feminine, it like brights ever more nowadays Yeah, where it's like, yeah. you know, like films were always talking about this stuff and like good art always represents these things. But now in the times we're in now, it's, it's the cultural moments that shine really brightly and like are yelling at these, pa- uh, like speaking of these patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. One of the, um, one of the songs from Donda starts with his mother saying, even if you're not ready for the day, 
it cannot always be night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was like, heck yeah. Like that's exactly <laughs> the moment we're in now. It's yeah. like like the light's coming. And even if you're not ready for it, here's the apocalypse. <laughs> like here's the right. unveiling. Yeah. Right. Um right. Yeah. So from well, that yeah. yeah, what were you gonna say? No, that's really really interesting because like as um you know, the masculine principle again is the sun is sunlight, yep. masculine consciousness, then feminine unconsciousness. But if if ma- if masculine is light, that means feminine is darkness. Mm-hmm. So as the sun sets, kind of this, yep. the masculine principle sets, then it's going to be what we're left with. Is darkness the yeah. is the feminine question. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then when you then, look at that and you try to discover that, you're essentially shining a light on that and yeah. you're bringing about a turn right. again. Right. Yeah. And the, right. the light will return and whatever, right. and the cycle yeah. starts. Interesting. Right. The, sun, the sun sets, sun rises. Yeah. Sets, yeah. You know, yeah. Kind of, and darkness is, like we said before, is uh, attached to that idea of um, mystery, the unknown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, the, yeah. The, the secrets of nature, if you want to mm-hmm. put it that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel like the like what we saw uh, with COVID um, was really kind of a kind of feminine uh, overbearing um, in, in, a, in a certain sense. As um, relates to the state. As it relates uh, to like, the government overreach, not yeah. like a bunch of women decided to shut us down. No. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, the, the, this is kind of the distinction I want to make. Yeah. That yeah. We're not talking about females. We're talking about the feminine virtues and the feminine yeah. um, attributes of reality. So mm-hmm. like I enact feminine virtues, you enact feminine virtues, like, yeah. and vice yeah. versa, whatever. Um, so there, there seems like there was this feminine, overbearing, hyper-protective kind of eatable or um, de- devouring mother mm-hmm. archetype that was kind of over this whole COVID situation. Mm-hmm. Um, even even like a misplaced compassion, not knowing what to do with empathy, not knowing what to do with um, how do we take risks. Like we, we just started com- yeah. having conversations about like, well, here's risk taking in general. Like, why are we talking about it? Don't we like make, don't we take risks all the time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. why is it that we're like speaking these now as like they're like truisms that have never been, discovered before right um right. I'm like right. yeah you go outside you take risks or whatever like this is how life right. functions yeah um so it was really this kind of like yeah uh almost like a cosmic movement uh to kind of explore how that works uh, i just i found it really interesting to see in how it works like fractally you know we can talk about how i need to raise my child in a way that allows him to experience suffering mm. and, yeah. but that same pattern scales up to how you run a government and yeah. government policies. It's really like a, um, an understanding of the human condition, yeah. understanding how humans work. Like you can't, you can't force these things. Yeah. And this is kind of where feminine receptivity comes in. It's like you need to allow that to exist and then you respond accordingly. My, in my mind, the, this, like, the, the core decision that a mother has to make is am I going to allow my child to be free or am I going to allow... Or, or am I going to protect my child, right? Like, that's that's what it boils down to. Um, allow my f- child to be free to pursue, you know, his own destiny, mm-hmm. <laughs> as it were. Or am I going to um, protect him and make sure he's safe? Uh, you know, you can uh, lengthen the life of his days <laughs> biologically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is that going to allow him to actually grow into um, the person he's called to be, right? So, yeah. Yeah, I think... Um it, it was it was happening, like you said, it was like the, the great unveiling, um, because I think the coddling was happening, and it's been happening for a while. Yeah, but it happened on a micro level, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think it's good that you make the distinction, distinction between feminine and and mother or, or women, because it's not just women who are coddling their children. Yeah, you know, fathers can coddle their children, mm-hmm. and this this principle of kind of staying safe. Yeah, it was c- kind of working on the family level. But then it seemed like when COVID happened, it jumped yes. to the top the, to top mm-hmm. level, to the highest levels of, no, no, we got to keep everyone safe. Yep. And I think that's when you started seeing these really sharp divides because there were people who said, no, I want to be free. Mm-hmm. Like I should be able to take my own risks. Right. And then you had another camp saying, no, no, we need to keep people safe and secure. Yep. And so if the highest levels are telling us Safety is not is the number one virtue. Yeah. Again, the principle of yeah. equilibrium. You know, well, mm-hmm. then what's going to happen? Yeah. Well, then there's going to be an, an opposite side that's right. just as strong saying, no, no, yeah. no, we need to be free. Right. Yeah. Right. And so it's that, like you said, the, yeah. the uh, Father Jonathan, that primordial distinction between do you keep people safe or do you let them be free? 
Yes. Yeah. And and yeah. you know, back to the original point of like you know uh, an apocalypse X esque unveiling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think COVID did really unveil the hearts of a lot of people. For uh, sure. And so mm-hmm. you know, even like people uh, that you might assume like, oh, we agree with you know everything. Like, well, actually, deeper down, like there are distinctions and differences that I didn't know that you know they held yeah. right. Yeah. Because it's hitting at that bedrock mm-hmm. question. Yep. Uh, so. Yeah, it's, it's very fascinating. Um, my wife and I homeschool our kids, um, and there's a, uh, a principal from Charlotte Mason. She's like an educator um, and thinker, philosopher. Um, she has a core principle about, um, she says, children are created persons. Like that's like a core principle of her education philosophy. Um, and it's really just like this understanding of who children are, as persons, like, and what persons need, mm-hmm. um, and, and their ability to take risks and their need to explore for themselves and what have you. Um, and she kind of just, you know, from there, she kind of, uh, fleshes out a whole idea of education. But I feel like that principle is like a pattern that everybody needs to know. If you, if you're in charge of anybody for any, you know, amount Business of level yeah or, yeah exactly yeah. Mm-hmm. um if you're a boss yeah if you're you're running a government whatever it is like you need to understand that these people are created persons fortunately the christian framework has that like mapped into it of like well what is a person mm-hmm. and like yeah. people have different responses of what that is um but uh i feel like seeing that as a fractal pattern of like even the same way i educate my child is the same way that you know, government should be run. I feel like that's just an important uh, concept for people to grasp in terms of when we have these conversations. Um, It's like, it's more complicated and like, here's all the moving parts. Like, of of course it's more complicated. Yeah. But at the same time, it's the same pattern. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. No, that's that's really important. Um, So from that, back to, kind of back to like the whole stars shining in the darkness thing. I wanted to talk about Dune. Um, how many times did you guys see it? I saw it twice, I think. I think I... It might have been three times. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I saw that, it with a group of friends. I saw it in the theaters. So that's with, not good. I can't yeah. remember. <laughs> but, <laughs> it was um, at least two, if yeah, not yeah. three. I, I think it was three. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe I did see it three times. Yeah, because I saw it with you guys at, at Sarah's house. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then I yeah I saw it in the theaters and then with Kirsten. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I feel like that movie has a lot right in in its portrayal of the masculine and feminine um i kind of wanted to just hash that out a little bit um the the, uh there's a vanity fair interview with hans zimmer um and he said um he said the movie is driven in its own secret way by the feminine characters Mm. um Mm -hmm. and i thought that was so true i thought that before i heard him say it um and in, in a way that like the feminine is supposed to act in this kind mm-hmm. of intuitive, in this kind of secret way that it, yeah. it moves the culture. Um, I just thought that was really well done. And it was like the proper, um, the proper feminine enacted in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you guys think of the movie? I thought it was a really, it was a really good movie. I, I liked it a lot. I mean, I was, I was kind of growing a little, um, you know, disenchanted with the just the constant like mediocre movies that have been coming out. I'm kind of like marveled out, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And so to see something that was, uh, you know, there wasn't a joke every 30 seconds. Yeah. Uh, you know, it felt heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a dignity to the characters. Uh, you know, it was shot beautifully. Um, I like a lot of uh, uh, Denis Villeneuve's movies, uh, and so to see, you know, this this movie that was just carefully crafted and it, it seemed almost like a classic right uh in so many ways um, yeah. i really enjoyed it but then like even touching on those archetypal elements too mm-hmm. um that just made it better i guess you know yeah. um beyond yeah. a cinematic um technical level yeah so. yeah i i said the word was uh for me to describe it was refreshing refreshing because mm-hmm. yeah. i thought it was even though it's like a very serious and dark movie or you know um it still was like, wow, these movies can still do good father figures, good mother yeah. figures, yep, good yep. good archetypes, good storytelling, mm-hmm. music, shots, like all of it. Um, I, I just thought, wow, 
<laughs> you know, there's like you said, you know, there's some hope yeah. for, yeah. These, for these movies. <laughs> yeah. um, but I thought the symbolism, yeah, was strong. Yeah, very strong. Yeah, yeah I thought you know? that I thought that was good the way it was portrayed because like I was happily surprised that um, mm -hmm. that the father figure, Paul's father, was like not. Toxic dad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like obviously, like if the story is going to circle around Paul and his mother Jessica, mm -hmm. then like you know, in a modern film, it would be like, and the dad's a deadbeat dad, yeah, or <laughs> a buffoon, or an idiot. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Like, so that we can focus on the mom. It's like, but you can actually have both. Yeah. And it, and it mm -hmm. incorporated it perfectly. I, I just I found that again refreshing. That's so true. Uh, and you contrast that with like the you know the new Star Wars movies or or TV shows. <laughs> Or I know it's it's an easy target, but at the same time, it's very telling, you know. Um, but like you know, like the new Obi Wan series, where like Obi Wan had to be made, to, he had to be made incompetent in order to let the other characters mm -hmm. shine. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the writing uh, in Dune, uh, the screenwriting and the directing, and the characters were so strong that you can have a strong father figure mm -hmm. who Paul Atreides can actually look up to. Yeah. And then at the same time, still have a strong feminine um, archetype as well um, right. in yeah. the characters of yeah. Lady Jessica and, and mm -hmm. yeah. Zendaya's Ch Ch Chani character. Mm -hmm. or, Zendaya. Zendaya, Zendaya, Zendaya. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, even, well, even Duke Leto's fall, um, spoiler alert, it's been out for a while. So, yeah, yeah, you, you know, it's, on, this is your own you fault. Yeah, if you haven't you seen know? it, now, it's um, your own fault. Even his downfall is in a, it's because of an act of betrayal. It's mm -hmm. not like, well, you know, he should have known better or, right. you know, he, he you know, fumbled yeah. something. It was like, no, actually, he did everything he could right. to keep everyone safe, and particularly his wife right. or his concubine mm -hmm. yeah. and, um, and, his, and his son. But it's this tragic tale of, of betraying the good king. Yeah. yeah, right. You know, like that, that's a motif, you know, the mm -hmm. betrayal yeah. of a good man yeah. That, yeah. Um, that spurs right. uh, uh, Paul. Yeah, the whole yeah. And, yeah, and I love... You know, Paul's um, arc in his first movie, um, he looked up to his father, you know, asking, I love the scene when he's in like the graveyard among his yeah. forefathers. Yeah, that's a really good scene. Um, and so his father kind of represents uh, the tradition that he's supposed to carry on, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, he's looking over his um, uh, grandfather's grave mm -hmm. and, and then he's like, well, am I supposed to be the next, you know, leader? And it's just a great father-son moment. Yeah. And then when, you know, the attack happens, the tragedy um, happens, uh, Duke uh, Leto is uh, killed, uh, and then Paul has to now carry on. Uh, he takes the ring, a symbol of his past, mm -hmm. right, and, and what he's going to carry forward. But then he's enveloped in the feminine from yeah. that moment on, right? right? Like, he's with his mother, and, right. uh, and that's where the feminine and masculine begin to, begin yeah. to like, mold a little yeah. bit more. Yeah, uh, I thought... I thought um, it was interesting. I was like at the edge of my seat in that scene when he was walking uh, in the graveyard because I was like, this could go so poorly. Like yeah, it could, he could be like, yeah. if you don't take toxic this daddy. seat. Yeah, I thought, <laughs> yeah. He was, I thought this was going to be the toxic dad moment where yeah. he's like, if you don't take the seat, you're going to be a letdown. And he's like, oh, dad. Whoa. Yeah. And then yeah. like, and then, you know, he dies and he regrets that he never reconciled with his father. And mm -hmm. then he's got daddy issues. And yeah. Then, you know, like I was like, I don't. All right. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't. It wasn't, yeah. exactly. I was like, this is, that was that was nice. Yeah. Um and then I also like how this story quickly turned into a story between Paul and his mother. Mm -hmm. Uh even though if it's a like a cosmological story of like politics and power grabs and yeah. and all these different um tribes trying to like get power yeah. essentially mm -hmm. in the universe. Um it's like the the politics was like a a side story as opposed to the family. Mm -hmm. story yeah, right. which i was like this is yeah. life yo um because yeah. <laughs> i was like that's that's really what has to be focused on i yeah. felt like it was it was almost the director's like way of saying like this is the important thing yeah you know what i'm saying like this stuff happens and this stuff but it happens because this happens like it's because of the family life ramifications yeah. that these cosmological things come about mm -hmm. um i thought that was really a cool perspective yeah, yeah that's interesting that it starts um, from the family works up. It's not a story of like warring factions, yeah, per se, or warring political parties. Mm -hmm. It's um, it's actually going way back down. Yeah, and, right, right. It's, yeah, it's not yeah. empire versus empire, but yep. a young boy and his mother yep. versus one day an empire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's right. how yeah. it goes up. Uh -huh. You know, yep. right.
um, there's an element. Um, so Paul is supposed to be kind of the Messiah figure. Um, and so there's, a, there's an element in that uh, the Messiah is kind of like this merging of masculine and feminine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like the, you know, bringing balance to the force, this kind of union, like merging of opposites, um, which I find really interesting. Um, and then especially when he, that the Gom Jabbar scene, when he yeah. has to put his hand into the black box, yeah. it's kind of like this dark square, which is kind of like symbolic of like the earth. And so he has to like be in touch with like the Mundus, yeah. uh, like the mundane, the, the like the, the unknown, yeah. like mm-hmm. all of these like feminine things are like there. And he's kind of like, it's through that, through that pain that he, uh, kind of awakens that messiah figure in him yeah yeah um yeah yeah i, I found that i is this scene kind of like the one with vader it was shadow vader and luke in the cave is it interesting i i don't know because because he because paul atreides asks um the benny jesuit it doesn't he say like what's in it yeah or like what's yeah, in there yeah. or something and she, and she just says pain and right? she just says yeah. pain yeah yeah that's really and the same thing like luke looks into the cave and says like, what's what's in there yeah. he says only you what know. you take with you. Yeah, this is only what you take with you, but you know, there's also like, I guess he says, like it's the domain of evil. Yeah, yeah, right? unknown, you know, it's strong, darkness, yeah. you know. Yeah, and it's um, both, like it's essentially the shadow that they have to mm-hmm. enter. Right, and right, stay there right. Too. Well, like you know, Luke goes yeah. into the, he kind of drops down into yeah. a cave. So he's like in the earth. Mm. Um, Paul Atreides goes into the yeah. darkness with his hand. Yeah, but it seems like maybe the difference is Luke kind of fails mm-hmm. actually, um, but yeah, Paul seems victorious. Yeah. You know, like uh yeah. like he yeah. kind of you know at the end yeah. it seems like. Well, I love I love how um that scene is um established because it's his mother who leads him into danger. Yeah. Right? And so, you know, going back to this idea that like, does the mother protect or does she allow her son to be free? Mm-hmm. It seems like Jessica was enacting the uh, like she was allowing her son to be free in that moment. Yeah. And you see that back and forth as yeah. he's going through that pain. Yeah. It's flipping to her like at the door, just kind of saying me, uh, fear is the mind killer and yeah. reciting and, that mm-hmm. chant. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just a huge, I feel like that's such a core scene of um, like what it means to be a mother. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. In the, I wish I had it with me, but in the book, it has a, a, an elongated conversation with the Bene Gesserit and Lady Jessica and I think Lady Jessica is kind of pleading, not like, don't do this yeah. to him. Um, and later on, the Benny Jesuit says, you want to keep him safe. Yeah. You want to make sure he's yeah. safe. And um, she's, I think Lady Jessica says, yes, of course, you know, so on and so on. Um, but I, th- I think the response of the Benny Jesuit is, um, there are worse fates that happen to a safe man or something like mm. something like you know wow. like the like there are worse things that can happen yeah um if you if you keep him safe wow um so like he has to undergo this and, and right. you can't see it in the movies there's a little bit of like please don't do this yeah yeah but it's like he has to do mm-hmm. this yeah in order he to, would not you know. have like like matt said he would not have awakened his potential mm-hmm. uh if he was not if he was just kept safe yeah yeah uh, lady jessica could have been like no call this off and yeah like, right but yeah that, that yeah freedom. so in those visions, um, he starts like this kind of awakening of the Messiah figure. He starts to have visions. Um, he does that when uh, they're like picking up the the um, the spice crawler. The spice crawler. Thank yeah. you. Um, he's like in a trance, and he has like all these visions of Chani and and then um, of Jamis, who eventually he kills at the end. Yeah. Um, as his kind of like rite of initiation. Um. So, but Jama says something in these visions that he says, I have, a, I have the quote here. Um, he says, the mystery of life isn't a problem to solve, but a reality to experience. A process cannot be understood by stopping it. We must move with the flow of the process. We must join it. We must flow with it. Yeah. A really interesting like dichotomy between a masculine endeavor to like overcome and to mm-hmm. conquer versus a reality that presents itself that you need to participate in. Yeah. It's a huge difference. Yeah. And like, that's what we're losing in the culture is this like, we need to participate in something that is bigger than us. Yeah. And it takes a, a explicitly feminine virtue to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can't just be masculine all the time or else you never get that receiving 
aspect of participation. And, right. uh, you know, I, I remember it was the second time where I realized that conversation with Jameis and between Jameis and Paul, uh, he, that, that, that Jameis was the one that he faced in the end. Yep. And, but in his visions, he seemed like a friend. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it was this weird, like I was confused at what was going on at first. Why is this man that he's going to fight and kill? Why is he having visions of him as like a friend or a mentor? Right. And, and it only like I realized the third time watching it that, oh, it's because he had to make peace with the way the world works. Yes. And this is his only path to, uh, you know, to become part of the Fremen mm-hmm. uh, and, and to survive with his mother. Right. Um, that, yeah, that, that he had to befriend, in a sense, yep. the figure mm-hmm. of, uh, of fighting and, yep. and, and killing. Yep. Um, so that was a, and a really interesting dynamic. Yeah. That he was, you know, he was friendly and and, and uh, you know had this relationship with the person he's supposed to kill and overcome. Right. right. Um, yeah. So, you see. Yeah. You see that um, embracing your cross almost. You that's know? exactly it, yeah. where I was going mm-hmm. with this. Yeah. It's it's the same thing that Luke does in Episode Four, right before he sends the torpedoes into the Death Star. Yeah. Like letting go. Yeah. Not using technology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of like let the force flow with you. It's the same kind of. Um, concept, yeah. um, but there's also that aspect of embracing the cross. Yeah, like the cross mm-hmm. is that reality, and there's a sense that you need to embrace it in order to flow with it. Right. You don't avoid it, mm-hmm. um, but it is your path forward. Yeah, yeah. And that's that is what it means to be receptive. Mm-hmm. Like you do not create your own reality. Uh, you don't create uh, the world. You you are born into it, and by your birth, you are given certain things. That other people aren't, and you know you are you don't have or you don't receive what other people might have. Like we're all born with uh, differences. You know, some of mm-hmm. us are born wealthy, some of us are born tall, some of us are natural athletes, some of us are natural. You know, have a natural aptitude for mu- music. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you receive that at birth. Right. It's only the person who grows upset. Uh, or, or the, rather, it's only the person that wants to say, like, I can create my own reality that grows frustrated, which leads to re- resentment. Resent, resentment. Yeah, right. Uh, and so that's like that's the key difference uh, of, uh, you know, receiving versus uh, taking for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately, I think, what's um, at the center of the cross. Yeah. Um, is like it's Christ who has openly receive the suffering giving to him. He never right. protests against it. His arms are wide open, like mm-hmm. in this receiving, you know, uh, gesture. Yep. And that's what leads, that's what is able to pave the, the way to eternal life. Right. Uh, and it's the same thing that's, that we see with Paul Atreides, uh, with Jameis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the same way that we actually come to our own peace and fulfillment by right. willingly receiving what has mm-hmm. been given to us and then moving forward with that um, yeah yeah it, it seems like the um the fight scene is is definitely an initiation motif yeah for sure you know, oh like yeah he yeah. had you know he's 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 beginning the trials phase of the hero's journey you know, he's, yeah. ent- he's going through the threshold and it's there's no way to get through this without it yeah because yeah. exactly. even even there's a few times where he you know yeah he says surrender yeah Surre- like he, he beats him and says surrender yeah. surrender and it's like and the other character's like no no you have to do this yeah right exactly yeah. it's it's you like do you this. do not get initiated yeah without blood right. right and that's um i think yeah that 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 scene was really powerful as matt said like that's really the only way to move forward mm-hmm. um and this is why you know uh you know trials of initiation in you know older cultures uh, you know, that's when the boy became a man, right? Mm-hmm. You go out hunting with your father, right? And, yeah. Well, and, and you follow your father away from your mother. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly why I remember I was, um, I, I learned this in a um, theological anthropology class. We were just talking about, you know, human, human nature. Um, and, uh, you know, a, a young boy is not able to become a man until he steps away from his mother and follows his father. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly why, uh, you know, men who are, cowardly and who have not moved away from their mother mm-hmm. uh you know in a symbolic way they're called sissies yeah uh and and sissy comes from the word sister right so yeah. when we say like that man is a sissy we're saying yeah he's like his sister mm-hmm. which is related to the woman yeah which is related to his mother mm-hmm. he has not yet moved away from the feminine 
right and and gone gone on to become a man right yeah. uh, and so even our language of you know how we relate to people uh, and men and boys yep. uh you know is all speaking to this feminine masculine mm-hmm. dynamic so. I, I think it's right after it's, it's right after the fight scene where he makes one of the first like commands to his yes. mother yep and, and she says we're gonna go here and he mm-hmm. says we're going here yep yeah yeah and, and you know as, as and he takes mo- a charge right exactly yeah. moving away it's yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's weird. There's a few phases. It seems like uh, Paul goes through. So you know he's following his father, his mother first, and doesn't mm-hmm. want. Or I'm sorry, he he tries to follow his father first, but is with his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the like Jungian Freudian principle that a man can't become a man until his father has died. Yeah. And he be, he come, becomes a man there, in but even then it's like but not quite yet. Yeah. Yeah. You know it's mm-hmm. like your father has died, but you're still seemingly very attached to your mm-hmm. mother and it's not until this initiation yeah. where he begins to follow his own path yep. father has died mm-hmm. separates from the mother yep. I have my own destiny to forge it, the, fe- yeah. the scene ends or the, the film ends with him following Chani and then Jessica's behind yeah and she's looking at him like, yeah. with yeah, this yeah. like yeah. Yeah. You know, questioning like face yeah. like yeah. You know, well, what, what is going to become yeah. of my son yeah. Yeah. it seems like yeah. the Genesis principle a man leaves his mother yeah. And father to yeah, you know yeah. join that's a hundred percent you know well and and I love the um in the movie you know he's moving with the rhythm of the sand in order to not awaken the sandworms mm-hmm. and the sandworms can kind of I think that's symbolic of um, nature and the feminine as well is that if you move correctly in accordance right. with nature yep then you will not disturb nature right? right and it's only when you kind of forge your own path saying like i'm going to create my own reality i'm going to mm-hmm. do what i want and just run across the desert that nature bites back yep and the fremen are are, are people who have understood this well mm-hmm. you know it's james who's telling him you mm-hmm. have to you know um accept nature and, yep. and and that's why they have command over the sandworms like at the end of the movie they're they're riding the yeah. sandworms yeah yeah it's because they they have accepted the reality move in accordance with it and then then can have dominion over nature. Yeah, so um, that's that's kind of the point I think is important too because, you know, hearing that, it's like, oh, we need to receive what happens in nature. It's like, okay, but what about suffering? What about like actually building a culture? Yeah, what about of like, right. you know, raising a family? What about setting rules? What about <clears throat> having, you know, educating people? What about policies? What about, you know, like real world stuff? Yeah. Um, there's an aspect, again, that, that needs to be received first and then enacted or else yeah. you're bucking up against nature itself Mm -hmm. and so that i mean that's that's the pattern of the our father it's it's um thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven and so like heaven is symbolic of those those patterns that exist Mm -hmm. outside of us and then and then we say that that exists on earth yeah and then after that give us this give us this day our daily bread yeah and so we ask for these things on earth but only insofar as they participate in the patterns of heaven Mm -hmm. and that's how you cooperate right and it's it's um right in, in re- receptivity uh you know um just willingly receiving what you have been given uh, i'm not you know uh, advocating for uh, a pacifist mentality mm-hmm. right now, like well you know oh i'm sick so that's what nature yeah. ha- you know it is that's what it is what, yeah, yeah i've been given this and <laughs> mm-hmm. I, i'm not going to take medicine yep. no of course not yep. um there is a way in which we can balance you know receptivity with also initiation mm-hmm. uh but I think there there's a fine line between working in accord 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 with nature, and also just like saying I, I deny everything that's been given to me. Yeah. Um, I, you know, the the I think a, a, an excellent example or an image, an excellent image of uh, a a betrayal of what is given to you is abortion. Really, mm-hmm. it's you know the mother is like, I've been given this child regardless of the circumstance. Right. You know, uh, it's like well, I'm going to reject what has been given to me. Right. right. Uh, and, and, you know, I think I think it works well because it's the mother, mm-hmm. the child, uh, you know, these basic archetypes yep. and then that <clears throat> resentment towards what is given, essentially. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. But again, it's not a pacifist mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah, I think that's important yeah, to make. Yeah. yeah so. um, kind of along those lines, um, I want to talk about Arrival because I feel like um, Denis Villeneuve has a really I feel like both those films he directed, he just has a really good intuition of the feminine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think it speaks to his perception of the world um, that he's able to speak so clearly um, on the feminine in both these films. Yeah. Um, so I kind of wanted to just 
touch on that one a little bit. Can you, um, Father John, give us a little bit of a synopsis of Dune? Um, yeah, well, insofar oh, sorry, as... of Arrival. Uh, arrival, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I won't touch on all the plot points, um, but I'll, I'll just touch, touch on like the story as it relates to um, the main character. Yeah, what is her name? Louise. Louise. Um, Amy Adams yeah. plays the character. Oh, yes, I think it's, yeah. yeah. Um, but essentially... Uh, you know, again, spoilers, but it's been out for a few years. So, yeah. come on, people. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> um, essentially, uh, in her relationship with these uh, aliens that she's trying to communicate with, she gains a power through language, mm -hmm. uh, learning their language, to uh, see future events. Mm -hmm. uh, and and future is a, a broad term. Uh, I think the movie presents more of a, a circular um, uh, concept of time. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, for for you know our conversation purposes, he she's able to see the future, and and in seeing the future, she sees herself marrying a man, having a child, growing up with a child, and then the child dying at a young age, mm -hmm. uh, and so she knows that if she you know pursues a certain path, her child will die. Yeah. The fascinating thing with her character, though, is that. She chooses that path anyway. Mm -hmm. And so towards the end of the movie, uh, you know, there's that great line where the husband says, like, you know, do you want to make a baby? And she's mm -hmm. like, yes. And she's having these images of her child dying. Yeah. Um, with, uh, you know, I think the child dies from cancer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's a powerful, powerful image. Like, well, why, why would she still choose life when she knows that her child is going to die? Right. That her child is going to suffer. And it's a testament, I think, to uh, the power of the, the mother's choice to let her child be free, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, there's that cliche, but it's very true. Like, you know, it is better to have um, uh, loved than, what is it? Loved it, it, and lost. Yeah, it's better yeah. to love and lost than to not have loved at all, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's touching on that a little bit. Uh, but I, I, I immediately thought of um, Mary, uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, the mother of Christ, uh, who did the same thing, you know, like in, in, in Gabriel, uh, the angel Gabriel appearing to Mary saying, mm -hmm. you will give birth to, uh, you know, Emmanuel, uh, yeah. where, you know, Mary was not naive. She knew what a virgin birth would imply, right? No, no miraculous birth in the old Testament ever ended well <laughs> for those, yeah. um, you know, for those children, they, mm -hmm. they became prophets and then they were killed, you know? Right. And so Mary knew that, you know, well, if an angel is appearing to me, uh, foretelling a birth, mm -hmm. and I am a virgin, then this man is going to be destined for great suffering. Yeah. And then she says, behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Let it be done unto me. So in a sense, like, she knows what's going to happen to her son. Yeah. And she still chooses to bear him anyway. Right. Uh, and so in that sense, she is letting her son be free to do his father's will. Yeah. Right. Uh, Christ is only able to separate himself from the home uh, and you know, become like his father, right? Mm -hmm. um, become a man in that, you know, mm -hmm. in that archetypal sense uh, because of the choice of the mother to let him be free. The mother did not stunt the child saying, I'm going to protect you or, you know, yeah. or I don't want the child at all because it'll suffer. Um, and that same thing is happening in Arrival. Um, yeah. Where it's like, yes, mm -hmm. the child will suffer. But, you know, I can raise that child in a way that will justify that suffering, right? Or, yeah. you know, or he... If he's raised well and loved, he can bring about love that will justify his suffering and eventual death. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where life and love is stronger than death. Yeah. Uh, and so in that movie Arrival, like it's all there. Like that's mm -hmm. such a... Mm -hmm. And like you said, like Denis Villeneuve is just in touch with the way the feminine works. Yeah. And I love, you know, and I know I'm going on a little bit here, but <laughs> I love the fact that um, uh, Luis is a master of language. Yeah. Uh, and... You know, that's immediately contrasted to uh, her future husband, mm -hmm. who's played by, um, what's his name? I can't remember. The guy who plays Hawkeye. I was going to say, it, Hawk, we'll just yeah. call him Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah. She's married we'll to Hawkeye. Call, she's married to Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> this is the crossover nobody expected. Right. You know? um, but in the helicopter, when they first meet, mm -hmm. uh, he's a mathematician, uh, scientific, mm -hmm. yeah. and uh, she's a linguist. Yeah. And like they have a little banter about like, you know, the differences. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's yeah. really important that it's yep. the immaterial, right? right? 
that is able to make that choice. Well, because from a rational perspective and like that mathematical scientific perspective, maybe it doesn't make sense. It's like, well, mm -hmm. the child's going to suffer and die. Mm -hmm. Like why let him live? But you know, that's, yeah. that's looking at life materially. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's saying like, well, the length of life that you live is more important than the quality of life that you have. Mm -hmm. um, and Louis yeah. says, no, it's, mm -hmm. it's about like the way you live your life that matters. So yeah, it, yep. that's all yeah. there. So yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> so it's powerful. I, I'd like to hit on some of the things you said and uh, some of the symbols. So she's a master of language and language is archetypally masculine. Mm. And the, the, what she works with are the symbols, which are masculine language. Mm. And then, um, so that's her manifestation of the animus. Mm. And the animus is logos. Mm. So she is kind of getting in touch with this more masculine side of her mm -hmm. as a master of language. And that then when she meets... The other guy is Hawkeye is yeah a master of language as well or, or, or he does science science yeah, yeah. science um when she sees him that's her perfect that's her personified perfection of the masculine principle yeah. of science yeah. mm -hmm. and language mm -hmm. um, so that's why they kind of have that immediate connection is um, she's she's integrated her masculine side and her feminine side and now sees it per perfectly in this man right um, Another thing about the the language, so all the all the symbols are circular. Mm -hmm. Yes, right? that's that's correct. They're, they're yeah. all circular. So I was thinking about the uh, the image of the Ouroboric snake, the, mm -hmm. the snake that eats its own tail. Yeah, is it like kind of a sign of time mm -hmm. and eternity? Mm -hmm. um, so in a, in a sense, her language gives her that ability yeah. of kind of a language outside of the Ouroboric snake, outside yes. of time. And yeah. That's yeah, that's a really um, that's a really intelligent way to like a plot point because the way that we read left to right. Uh, is the way that we experience time, right? right? Um, linear. And the way that she is able to transcend that is by learning another language, which is circular. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, it's it's yeah. her experience of language itself that actually makes her experience reality differently. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, and that goes back to our point again with like the romantic languages is so much more tied to feminine and masculine and it's uh, genders of, the, of their nouns. Yep. Uh, and so... In our English language, I think it's harder to think about the world being masculine and feminine mm -hmm. um, just by the way that we speak. You know, it's, yeah. it's not natural in that sense. Yeah, I so. think I do think that language um, in that film and then at large really has an important role to play, um, especially nowadays. We just think so scientifically, um, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, there's a book from Owen Barfield, Poetic Diction. Um, and he kind of touches on these ways of speaking and ways of knowing that we need to return to. Also, um, Andrew Clavin's The Truth and Beauty um, speaks about the, like, uh, we need to rediscover this romantic, poetic way of speaking. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I like the image that symbols uh, or symbolic thinking, uh, archetypes, they're kind of like portals into other truths of reality. And so, like, you know, when I... If I can think about the way I raise my child symbolically, that opens up a portal to the way I should run a business, to the way that government should be run, yeah. to the way that I interact with other people, to the way that I respond to in my prayer life. Like it, it, it opens up portals mm -hmm. if mm -hmm. you think about it symbolically. But if you think about it scientifically, you're just you're just a, a biological father who's making sure your kid eats three square meals. <laughs> right, right. Mm -hmm. yeah. So a return back to a, a poetic, a romantic way of knowing mm -hmm. is I feel like it's it's like right at the um the cultural moment that we're in that is so necessary because I, I can yeah. I can yeah. say um for instance like a tree blows in the wind because hot and cold air move and and the the atmospheric particles accelerate the wood limbs in a certain direction and that's what causes it to move yeah or I can say the tree is dancing right you know what yeah, I'm saying yeah. and mm -hmm. so th those two ways are true but it's only in that second way that we start to see a type of opening up of the world and an understanding of reality yeah. um, that we can see everything like that. Yeah. And that's, I feel like that's really the, I feel like that's Peugeot's whole premise of like re-enchanting the world in yeah. this way that we can see. Um, yeah. Like to say the sun rises. Yeah. It's like, well, technically like, you know, the, the earth is rotating around the sun. Yeah. But why do we say the sun rises yes. and sets? You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. That's a symbolic way of, looking at the world. Yeah. Um, and then even, even um, kind of in the Catholic circles, there's this kind of like uh, saying of like evangelization through beauty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I really, 
I've been thinking about that term for a while because it gets kind of cliche and it kind of gets this aesthetic notion to it of like, oh, we have to create nice, beautiful things. <laughs> yeah. But if you understand beauty as one of the three transcendentals, right? Truth, goodness, and beauty. Um, beauty is kind of the splendor of truth and goodness. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of an experience of those things. Yeah. So it is saying something about a phenomenological view of truth and goodness. Yeah. Right. So when Dostoevsky writes, beauty will save the world, he's saying the phenomenological perspective of truth and goodness mm. is what's going to move the culture. Yeah. Right. And so that, mm -hmm. that it's, it's going to be more influential to say that the sun rises and sets than to give a scientific explanation. Yeah. And so we need to return mm -hmm. back to that way of speaking, that way of knowing in order to understand how all these patterns work out, yeah. how we run a country, how we raise our kids, like yeah. all of that is through this poetic knowledge. And isn't it so interesting that like, you know, on the opposite side of um, moving towards that uh, notion you have like the trans activists who are trying to tear down language. Yeah. They understand the power of language yeah, too. Yeah. Uh, and so this idea that instead of like viewing this world poetically and, and using, adhering to the language that has been given to mm -hmm. us, they're trying to destroy it. And so they will even use improper grammar in order to create their own reality. And so right. I think, you know, on the cult, the cultural front, uh, I think all sides kind of understand the power of language. Yeah. And so it's whether or not like you're going to adhere to it, you mm -hmm. know, uh, go back to the symbolic way of viewing the world, or are you going to deconstruct it and just put a, you know, uh, a false image of yeah. <laughs> what, what stood before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, language is like fundamental to this whole mm -hmm. um, idea that we're talking about. Um, yeah. Feminine, masculine, mm -hmm. masculine and symbols and all that. So Richard Dawkins said something once, like he'd be, you know, when reading Genesis, he would have been more impressed if God had revealed like quantum physics <laughs> to the Jewish, you know, he's like, he's like, you know, if God had revealed, yeah, you know, a like, quark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, right. It's like, had, it, had he revealed like deep scientific truths that they couldn't possibly have known? Mm -hmm. Now that would be impressive. Mm. But I think there's a few rebuttals. One, it's like, you know, why do you have to wait for your child to learn quantum physics at college? Just teach them when they're four. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, well, maybe like the human mind just isn't quite ready for some things, yeah. you know? And then I think more, more deeply though, on a grander level, it's that isn't important mm -hmm. actually. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I love modern technology. Yeah. I love everything, mm -hmm. you know, modern medicine, everything and stuff for us, but there seems to be symbolic truth seems to be more advantageous to day to day living and survival yeah. than quantum physics absolutely yeah. mm -hmm. you know and, it, yeah. it still has its place you still need both yeah but it seems like there's something deeper that you need mm -hmm. you know Jung would call it the symbolic life yeah um like you were saying it goes from well you know i make money and i'm a father and i have a house to you as a father you're a reflection of an eternal being yep that's totally different <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah like you're you know yeah. it seems like the second is actually mm -hmm. more important to you to live yeah, yeah. than the biology the biological mm -hmm. reality yep and that's i think you know that that Dawkins point is really interesting because I think just people don't know how to read a book nowadays. And, and that's like, and I think that's the fundamental issue that people take with the Bible. It's like, what do you mean? Like there's a garden, you know, like what, what do you mean? Like six days of creation. It's like, no, this is not a scientific book. Mm -hmm. This is not a history book. This is like, there's symbolism here yeah. that you, and so in a sense, like you're reading literature. It's like, imagine like reading, um, you know, something by Dostoevsky. It's like, well, this didn't happen. Yeah. Like, no, that's right. not his point. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. This is not a history book. You yeah. know, this is yeah. actually telling you something about the way the world works. Yeah. And that's what Genesis is doing. Yeah. yeah. And but yeah. even, that, even yeah. the idea of it's symbolic gets this notion that it's like not yes. real. Yes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. it's pointing to something else. It's like, no, you have to think of it like a portal. Like yeah. it's, it's the basis foundation of everything that connects other things yeah. it's like that's what symbolism yeah. is. and as peterson say it's like no yeah maybe it's not real it's more real yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. um so right, right. One, yeah i guess that's what i'm saying with like the quantum mechanics it's like it's this is it, this is reality itself mm -hmm. and you need to know that before yeah. you can do anything else yeah exactly you got to get that right yeah otherwise yeah. there's no science even it's, there it's just fascinating that like you know it how dated dawkins uh, interpretation sounds now <laughs> because like again we're entering into this crisis of meaning yeah and people are like it's not enough to just know science yeah it's not enough mm -hmm. and like you know i can be the smartest scientist in the world but you know 
is am I happy? Am I fulfilled? Like, right, why yeah. am I walking this earth? You know, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it's just it, it's you, you, in the moment that sounded smart, but it just it's it's aged like milk. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, right, right, yeah. right. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's this, there's an aspect too of the feminine in in that um, you know a lot of a lot of the feminist movement was like getting women in the workforce and getting them mm-hmm. away from the home. Um, there's something about a woman's work at home that connects you to the world, mm-hmm. like reality. That's like the word, the word mundane has the same mundus, root as mundus, as, yeah, world, mm-hmm. which means world in Latin. Yeah. Um, but then also tying down to the mundane keeps you grounded. Like mm-hmm. we even have that term. Um, and then humos, which is earth, is the root of humility. Yeah. So like they're, they're, all of those things tie back to a feminine approach of perception. Mm-hmm. Um, and the opposite is pride. It's a tower of Babel. It's, yeah. it's overabundance in indulgences and, and uh, technology and what have you, um, this hyper-masculinity. Um, so as we're trying to, I mean, as Carl Stern would say, flee from women, mm-hmm. free from femininity, um, we're, we're losing our connection to the earth, to reality, to the, to the, the mundane, to humility. Yeah. And so you just see that in the culture, like writ large. And it's like, what is the step back? It's like, I don't know the step back is to like explain to people, Hey, here's a handout on symbolism. And here's like <laughs> some documents on why Dune is awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. like it's, too, it's too much. Like yeah. it needs to be practical and embodied. Like yeah. Start a family, raise kids. Yeah. Like we need to get back to that in order for you to now live that experience. Yeah. Um, like as Jamas would say, like it is, it's an, a reality to experience, to flow with, and mm-hmm. then you intuit those realities. Yeah, and that's yeah. um, it, it's it's, you know, like raising your family, uh, uh, you know, loving loving people around you, going to church. Mm-hmm. I, I found it really interesting. Like we we mentioned COVID way earlier. Uh, but that, you know, again, it, real, it revealed the hearts of a lot of people. But it also, I think, proved the um, the natural foundation for religion itself. Mm-hmm. Because it, in a sense, the adherence to, um, you know, uh, rules and regulations have kind of mirrored what it's like to be part of a religious organization. Yeah. And so a lot of people who would claim, I'm not religious, I'm, you know, uh, I just... I don't believe in anything. I don't practice anything. That's kind of, you know, antiquated. Mm-hmm. These are the same people that are putting their faith in, uh, you know, uh, doctors and, right. and putting their faith, like they don't understand the science themselves, mm-hmm. but they're like, well, this is what the higher ups are telling me. Mm-hmm. And this is not a criticism. Yeah. This is just like, yeah. I'm recognizing a pattern. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they're putting their faith in authoritative figures. Uh, you know, they, they, the mask I think has been come, become symbolic of like a religious item. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting when uh, people would hang up masks on their rearview mirrors, and I'm like, "That's kind of what Catholics do with crosses, yeah. <laughs> you know." Yeah. Um, and yeah. but in a sense, you know, and they're they're not doing it intentionally, saying, you know, um, yeah. uh, like this is what I worship, right, obviously. Right, yeah. But that religious inc- instinct to say this is what keeps me safe, right? Mm-hmm. The cross keeps me safe. The mask mm-hmm. keeps me safe. Mm-hmm. This is what repels evil, right? Symbolically. And then to put it on your rearview mirror yeah. as a symbol of what keeps you safe, right. or more so, like this is what I hold as priority. Yeah, and of you know course, and of course, yeah. they're doing it on a practical level. Mm-hmm. You just take it off and put it on. Yeah, but man, symbolism like, happens. The symbolism happens. It just yeah. pops yeah. up, and, you know. And sometimes it was like, it, 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 they, it was too on the nose. Did you see those? Um, what are those candles that have? Like uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe, yeah. Sacred Heart. You know those candles? Yeah. They yeah. had one with Anthony Fauci on yeah. it. Yeah. No, they didn't. Yeah. No. As a, as a joke. No. Well, see, that's the thing. Is like, is it? Like, is, <laughs> right. is, yeah. is, is this a joke? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, Very interesting. I yeah. knew people um, who got the Ruth Bader Ginsburg, mm-hmm. same style candle. Yeah. They would lit it when yeah. uh, Roe v. Wade was being debated and everything. Yeah. So it's like, you are kind of being funny. Right. Yeah. But also, <laughs> but also, like, there's truth in a joke. Right. Like, the yeah, reason why right. jokes works because there's truth yeah. in it. Right. It's like it's it's this uh, instinct to belief. Yeah. Instinct to yeah. the religious right. instinct. You, you cannot uh, suppress the uh, the natural foundation for religion. Right. And right. if you're gonna ignore it in a um, in Christianity or whatever yeah. you know organized religion, mm-hmm. it's gonna pop up in very strange ways elsewhere. And I think that that's yeah. what we saw with 
the, the COVID yeah, yeah. question. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Jung has some quote about that. It's like, I think it's better to consciously acknowledge the existence of God because if you don't, you'll do really foolish things. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, was like, yeah. it was like, even if it's just like purely practical, it's just like, just say God exists. Cause otherwise. Yeah. You, you know, know, and like, it's that trope that's like, you know, like, Oh, you know, why do you go to um, church on Sundays and sing with people? That's stupid. Mm-hmm. And then you go to a football game and chant with people yeah. and, and, you know, and right. look at the, the mm-hmm. fight between mm-hmm. good and evil, like your right. team versus their team. Right. It's like, Man, like yeah. it's just the, like you want to participate in something bigger than you, yeah. and you're watching yeah. this microcosm of a sports game play out. Like, don't you want to participate in like the biggest thing? Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> all of reality, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but again, it's just that instinct that you can't suppress. Um, it's, it's natural. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that's a good place to stop. Um, let's see if I can do this social media thing in one breath. <laughs> um, basically, related.com forward slash support. Um, five dollars a month get five dollars a month gets you um, a AMA episode. We answer questions at the end of every month. Send it to members only. Um, basically, related.com forward slash AMA to ask a question. Um, at basically related podcast on YouTube or Instagram. Um, at Matt Hylam anywhere to follow me. At Coach Lee to follow Lee. Father John is invisible. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And we'll end it there. All right. Bye, everybody.